0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. From Acts chapter 27, verses 39 through 44. In the morning, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay. With a beach, on which they planned to run the ship ashore if they could. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea. At the same time, they loosened the ropes that tied the steering oars, then hoisted the foresail to the wind. They made for the beach, but striking a reef, they ran the ship aground. The bow stuck and remained unmovable, but the stern was being broken up by the force of the waves. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners so that none might swim away and escape, but the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land and the rest to follow, some on planks and others on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. This is the word of God for the people of God. Maybe may be seated. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our Redeemer. May these words be your words, Father. For all that I don't speak, O Lord, may you, may you give it in our hearing. For all that I misspeak, may you correct it. Lord God, may we hear your word today. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen we've been in a series of sermons called Songs of Hope where we talk, use passages of Scripture that deal with hope and um, expand on it with the music that uh, the band is playing. Today we look at the shipwreck of Paul and we're going to kind of work through that and, and, and see there uh, maybe some lessons for our lives. Now, before I get started in this, I want to admit to you two phobias that I have. Okay? Number one is spiders. Um, I will throw shoes across the room to kill spiders that are about this big. And number two is is water and the fear of drowning. Uh, Now, I'm a pretty good swimmer as long as I can see the shore or see the bottom. But if I can't see the shore or I can't see the bottom, I have an anxiety attack, okay? So I want to preface that for the story that I'm about to tell you. A good friend of mine, one of my best friends, invited me to, uh, to come with him. He'd just gotten a, a new sailboat that was really nice, had a kitchen and a sleeper down below deck. And we were going to go sailing on Lake DeGray in Arkansas. Lake DeGray is one of the deepest lakes in the nation. Deep. Did you hear me say deep? <laughs> so anyway, we went, and Tony assured me that the boat was seaworthy. There wouldn't be any problems. And we really had fun. We spent the first day sailing from one end of Gray to the other. And we uh, spent the night in this cove, and uh, and we talked and caught up. And then the next morning, we were not underway, but maybe 15, 20 minutes, we heard this huge bang underneath the boat. And the boat began to drift, and I began to panic. Now, Tony said, don't worry, don't worry, let me check it out. So he dives into the water, and he comes up, and he says, we have a problem. The rudder is broken. He said, I don't know what it hit, but the rudder's broken. Um, and I didn't know this until he mentioned it. We had no cell phone service. But he did have a radio. And so as I am cowering in a corner up on the ship's deck, and Tony is laughing at me from my panic attack, he calls in and gets a tow. They like, about Three or four hours later, they came and got us. It was the most harrowing time in, in my entire life as we listed to one side and drifted with the wind. So you can only imagine as I read this story from chapter 27 of Acts, how I might feel about Paul's experience of being caught in the storm on the Mediterranean Sea and the eventual shipwreck. Um I mean, I was only adrift for four hours. This particular incident took weeks, if not months. Now, just to kind of give you a little background, uh, Paul has been arrested in Jerusalem. He's serving time in Caesarea Philippi. And it was his right as a Roman citizen to demand a hearing with Caesar. Now, what he didn't know is that the governor of Caesarea Philippi was about to let him go. But Paul had already demanded his his right to meet with Caesar, and so he was to be transferred from Caesarea Philippi, there on the south side of the Mediterranean, to Rome. Okay, now the journey by ship is a two month journey in that particular day. It was a three part journey. You would take uh, starting from Caesarea Philippi, you would move up the coast of the Mediterranean uh, to the uh, to the east and to the north, and then take another um, uh, little leg to south of the southern part of Greece, and then you would go apart across the Mediterranean to Rome. And that was the most dangerous part of the trip, because that was where the storms would take place. Now, Paul said to the captain before they even left, "He says this is not safe." The storms in the wintertime on the Mediterranean are, are well known for destroying ships or they're lost at sea. But they were absolutely determined to get the prisoners that were there at Caesarea Philippi to Rome for their trials. And so they left. And sure enough, and on the third leg of the journey, a storm strikes. Now, the, <clears throat> the captain thinks he can outrun the storm. And for two to three weeks, he's running ahead of the storm. Now, you've got to understand that because of the storm itself, they couldn't navigate by the stars, so they didn't know where they were. They knew they were off course, getting farther and farther off course, but they were more concerned about their, their welfare than where they were. And then finally, in desperation, as the storm caught up to them, they noticed an island. And it's at this point that they make for the island to try to just beach the ship on the island with the possibility of saving as many of the of the passengers as possible now in that day it was unheard of that anyone would survive any kind of of shipwreck all 276 on this particular ship survived Here's the way the story goes. Um, In the beginning, Paul identifies the challenge that is before them. And and I think we can learn from this in terms of our own lives and what we have to deal with is, is to adequately identify the challenge. Paul identified the challenge. He was not a Pollyanna. He never was in any of of his letters as we read them or a story of Paul in the book of Acts. We see there a man who is a realist. And Paul says in verse 10, I can see that the voyage will be with danger and much heavy loss to the cargo, the ship, and to our lives. He's realistic. And yet, and yet... Throughout the journey, Paul approaches it with confidence and with hope. In spite of the danger, Paul has a confidence from within because of his belief in Almighty God. And what's really interesting about this and the reason why I call this sermon Contagious Hope is that as the journey, particularly the storm, as it unfolds, Paul's voice as a prisoner becomes more influential than even the captain's voice because he spoke with confidence and hope and the sailors and the prisoners begin to catch that confidence and that hope. Identify the challenge. Identify the reality of the challenge. Identify what is ahead of us. And then realize our limits. We can't overcome everything, particularly by ourselves. The, uh, the crew took extreme measures, as described in verses 27, uh, 17 through 20. And they finally realized that they were at the mercy of the storm. He said, they, Luke there says, All hope of being saved was at last abandoned. All hope of being saved was at last abandoned. That's why they were willing to beach the ship. They knew that they were too far off course, that their situation was too far gone. That all they could hope for at this point was survival. And at this point, Paul steps into the panic with a word from God. And this is where it's important to listen to the Spirit. Identify the problem. Realize our limits. And then listen to the Spirit. What is God saying to us? How is God directing us and guiding us through the challenges in our lives? Paul says this in verse 22. He says, keep up your courage... There will not be one loss of life. And then Paul shares a word from God through an angel that appeared to him in a dream in verse 23. Do not be afraid. God has granted safety to all of those who are sailing with you. Now, you see, I believe as as we look at the rest of this story... And part of the reason why all of the, all of the sailors and the prisoners survived is that they believed that they were going to survive. They believed that the words of Paul were going to come true. And so the, the longer it goes, the more they're listening to him, the, the more confidence they have in Paul's words. Listen to the Spirit. And then, as we see in the passage, Trust. Stay with the ship. As the ship is approaching Malta, Paul now is the primary voice. And in verse 27 32, he says, Unless the men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Now, this is crazy. I mean, literally, the ship is coming apart. The ship is coming apart, and Paul, because of what he's listening to the Spirit, says, Stay with the ship. Stay with the ship. Stay with the ship. I will tell you when it's time. Stay with the ship. It's the same way with our lives. Trust. Trust the word of the Lord. Trust how God is leading us. Trust the counsel of good friends and and, and good counsel. Unless the men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. Then at the very last minute, those who could swim were ordered off the ship. In verse 44, and the rest to follow, some on planks, and others on pieces of the ship. If they had not not stayed with the ship, several of them would have died. They were close enough to the shore when they hit the reef to be able to see the bottom and to see the shore. I would have been able to make it. Okay? Um, And the rest of them that could not swim would not have had the pieces of the ship to make it to shore. The broken pieces of the ship became their salvation. All 276 souls survived. You know, I said, look at this, identify the challenge, realize our limits, listen to the Spirit. Trust and stay with the ship. You know, that whole, that whole image of the wreck becoming their salvation. That in our lives, it's, it can be the same. That sometimes our lives feel like a total wreck. And yet out of that wreck becomes a whole new day. A whole new experience. A whole new opportunity. That's why I call this contagious hope because hope spreads. Others catch it. They feed on it. Let me leave this word with you. In so many ways today, our society is trying to outrun the storm. In these days, we are challenged in our jobs, our families, our communities, and in our churches some would even say that the, you know, that the jobs that we work now will not even exist within the years or that, that our communities are coming a part of the family system is no longer relevant for our society or that the church has seen its last days. I don't believe it. I just simply do not believe it. There's something about hope that makes me believe that these are the very foundation of what makes us who we are as human beings dependent upon each other in community, and connection. There is not one area of our society that will not be touched in the future and changed. And yet, at the same time, the very basics of who we are as brothers and sisters in Christ can never change, following paul 's story, um, an angel appears to Paul to give him now instructions on what to do at Malta and what what appeared what dawned on me as I read this passage over and over again, is that the word angel means messenger. And in that sense, we all are messengers. We all are angels. We share the hope and the joy of Jesus Christ through our actions, through our facial expressions, through our words. We are that presence at work, at our jobs, at school, with our families, in our church. This place is full of angels. But are we listening to what God has for us? Are we listening to the Holy Spirit and being prompted by that Holy Spirit? I would challenge you to look around, maybe not right now, but before the service is over, look around and just ask God the question, God, who are you calling me to connect with this morning? Who in this room needs to hear a word of hope, a word of joy, encouragement? Hope is contagious. Hope is contagious. Several years ago, my mother was going in for some minor surgery. And by the way, minor surgery is what they do on other people. (laughs) But she was supposed to be in and out. It's going to be... Fairly quick procedure. Um, my sister and I were there with her. Um, her pastor, who was also a friend of mine, was there. We had prayer together before the, before the surgery. And we came into the waiting room, and I, I said to Bill, I said, Bill, you know, you don't have to stay. I'm, it's going to be rather short, and, and, and it's, it's, you know, not of any real consequence. It's something she has to have done. But uh, you, can, you can go ahead and go. And he said, no, I think I'll just stay and talk. Well, we were talking and lost track of time. And I looked at the clock and realized that my mother had been in surgery for well over an hour and a half. And I thought to myself, that's weird. They said this was simple. They said she would be in and out. And and then the doctor came in and he was ashen with this look of, of concern on his face. And I knew something had happened. And he said to my sister and I, he said, you know, we just adore your mother. She is so delightful. The people in our office have just fallen in love with her. And we, we miss something in her tests and in her scans. Your mother has a very rare, aggressive form of breast cancer. And so we're going to have to keep her. Overnight here, we've got to decide how far it's spread. If it has spread, what are the next steps in this? It says, We're taught, we've been caught totally off guard. Well, I was just devastated. I mean, I didn't expect this. I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, what do I do next? And and Bill stepped in, and he said, he said Johnny, why don't I take you, and we go get your mom what she needs to stay overnight or days in the hospital if necessary. And, and to my sister, he said, Patrice, why don't you stay with your mom so that there's somebody there when she wakes up? And um, so we, we left, and... We went to get to my mother's uh, home where we picked up her stuff, and Bill just listened. And sometimes we just sat in the car in silence. I was just, it was like my heart was breaking. We went to lunch, and we came back. My sister and I went in and told my mother what was, what had happened, what the news was. Bill was with us, and as we walked out into the hallway, Bill said to me, these words John tie a knot at the end of this rope and hang on God will not forsake you remember what you preach and live it now we didn't know how long my mother would survive she actually was a 25 plus year cancer survivor which was a tremendous blessing Um, But I learned something. Tie a knot and hang on. God will not forsake you. Live what you preach. Last December, I was really troubled. The church where I was serving was on a path to leave the United Methodist Church. Some of you may not know that the United Methodist Church is going through a rather severe crisis right now. There are churches that are making the decision to leave the denomination... And not to go into the details of what the crisis is about, but the church where I was serving had, was on that path. And I, I loved the people there in the ministry. And, and though I loved the United Methodist Church, I, I didn't want to leave. And so I had made the decision to stay with them and to leave the United Methodist Church. But there was just something in my soul that would not let me go. And at Thanksgiving, I was just really struggling with it. And I thought, boy, I wish my father was alive. Because he always had good advice, and I kind of got in a place by myself, and I, and I thought, you know, Daddy, what would you say to me at this point? And I remembered what he would say. He would say, "Have you prayed?" And I went, "Have I prayed?" Okay. So for the month of December, I prayed. Every day I prayed. I said, "Lord, what do you want me to do?" You know, I, I love these people. The United Methodist Church is the church of my birth. We go back three generations, back to the 19th century. Lord, what, what would you have me to do? Silence. On, on January 1st, I decided I was going to spend the entire... And I remember January 1st because TCU was playing Michigan that afternoon. Okay? Uh, I went to the church... And I was going to pray through the Psalms. And God spoke to me through those Psalms. Several of them spoke to me, but there were nine in particular, and I have them written in my Bible so that I can go back to them and reread them. Because what what I heard in those scriptures was that God wanted me to stay in the United Methodist Church. That God was not done with the United Methodist Church and God was not done with my work within the United Methodist Church. That God, that, that, that the crisis that we were facing as a denomination was going to force us to, to redefine ourselves and to refocus ourselves not on the politics of the left and the right, but rather the purpose and the, and, and the task of reaching people for Jesus Christ. And I went, yes, if revival can come out of this, I want to be a part of it. And so I was, I was not sure yet, but I was, I was almost convinced that this is what God wanted me to do. And, and I made the decision, I'm going to stay in the United Methodist Church. One of the psalms that that uh, probably spoke the loudest to me was from Psalm 34 verses seven through 10, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, Happy are those who take refuge in them. O oh, fear the Lord, you holy ones, for those who fear him have no want. The young lions suffer and want hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I knew in those words. That God, as God had not forsaken my sister and my mother and I, so God would not forsake me now. That's what I want everybody to to hear. that, That we are the people of God, to stay with the ship, to be the community to rely on each other, to live for Jesus Christ and also for each other, to be a community that makes a difference in this world. That is my hope. And I pray that that hope will be contagious. And all who walk in the doors of this church will catch that disease, will catch that contagious hope, and that it would be more contagious than any virus or anything that the world can can send to us or lay upon us, that we will stand firmly upon the hope of Jesus Christ. As the worshipers return to their place, let me close with this. There are times when our, when our rudder seems broken. The ship may seem to be drifting, but God will not forsake us. Let us listen to the messages of God, the messages that He's giving to us through His Scriptures, through others, through, through worship, through songs that we hear, hear and worship on the radio. Let us listen to, to what God has for us For this is God's time. Let us stay with the ship and see what God can do for us, through us, and with us. Hope is contagious and it can change the way we see the world, experience the world, and the outcomes that are before us.